Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant, and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. Hope you're staying warm and enjoying your weekend. It's been a busy week in Kentucky with the tough January weather to battle through. House Republicans released their budget proposal. We'll have a report on that a little bit later out of Frankfurt. But first, affordable housing, a major issue in central Kentucky. At its worst, during the bitterly cold weather in recent days, we have seen those who are unhoused really struggling. Even on the margins, many who work in Lexington County can't afford the few homes that are on the market or the increasing cost of rent. To face up to that challenge, Transylvania University, along with a group of local banks and several nonprofits, have brainstormed an idea and put it into action. Transylvania dropped the price on a more than 12-acre site off North Broadway that used to be its baseball field, and now there are plans for apartments for rent, possibly townhouses for sale on that site. So joining us to talk about that and some other topics, Transylvania University President Brian Lewis and Daryl Neer, the CEO of Lexington Habitat for Humanity, one of the key groups involved. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for having us. This uh, came together. Uh, nobody heard about it uh, in advance, and suddenly there was this announcement. Uh, President Lewis, is this a case of seeing a need in the community and uh, positioning the university in a way to help? I think that's a perfect way of putting it, Bill. Uh, you know, we are so proud to be a part of Lexington. We have been in this community for nearly 250 years. Uh, I know Lexington's going to be celebrating its 250th uh, birthday very soon, and uh, we'll be celebrating ours in uh, 2030. And uh, as we've looked at ways to be a more impactful uh, part of the community, when this opportunity came along, uh, it seemed to make perfect sense. It was sort of the right combination of uh, a fair price, uh, meeting a need, and uh, being a part of that community solution to an ongoing problem that you identify. And part of the university's donation, I guess, is you've essentially dropped the price substantially, right? Well, we, we listed the property at a higher price, uh, but uh, this was the best, fairest offer that we got. It was a, a very clean, clear offer uh, with uh, without a lot of other you know, contingencies or things attached to it. And with that good purpose in mind, uh, that made us say, yeah, let's go ahead and do this. Mr. Neer, you have called this visionary, and you've said on social media uh, that uh, people need to be invited into a vision, uh, buy into uh, what is happening in the community. How important is it that Lexington takes some very bold steps to address this uh, this housing crisis? You know, it's, it's not just Lexington, sure. Bill. It's across the country. Affordable housing issues are, are, are facing every state in this nation, and Lexington is no different. Um, part of of that process is is going to take some boldness, especially when you look at the issues about our, our rents escalating, um, the home ownership opportunities are, are actually disappearing for so many people who otherwise, uh, in earlier generations, had transitions into starter homes. And so being able to pull together a group of organizations and individuals across public, private, and nonprofit sector to be able to create that vision of possibility is, is just foundational. How did this all come together? <laughs> who, who, who approached whom? You, you had this coalition of banks yeah. um, and coming together and trying to figure out how do they use their Community Reinvestment Act credits more effectively for impact. And we were in this for several months having these conversations of a variety of different op options on the table. Um, and what we landed on was one key aspect that becomes difficult for so many uh, affordable housing providers is access to land. And we know that certainly here in Lexington with the ability to find large parcels where you can deliver impact. 
Um, and so we talked about how, what kind of fund could this look like? And we're arriving at that space of how do these banks pool money together, make it available at no interest to affordable housing developers, which is key because part of what we face as a nonprofit is we don't have luxury of going to market to borrow those funds at higher interest rates to carry that interest. Um, and what this fund does, it allows us to be part of this process, um, and then it gives us access to land. And what's really interesting is the timing of coming up and identifying this is the process we want and the alignment to the property coming available for discussion with Transylvania University was really serendipitous. You saw it, saw that land and thought that that could work. I mean, everybody did. Then yeah. that was the, when you think about 12 and a half acres available in Lexington, um, those parcels don't come available. Um, and so the ability to even have the conversation and then the flexibility and agility of the banks to react mm -hmm. um, just made, it, it really did print, bring this dream scenario together. President Lewis, on your end, I'm sure there was discussion uh, over time as to what you had planned for that land. Was there ever any other use considered? We've talked about a number of possibilities with it uh, since I came uh, to Lexington. Uh, and the, basically the history of it is it has been our baseball uh, right. field for over 20 years. But uh, bef slightly before the pandemic, we entered into a short-term arrangement uh, with <coughs> the minor league ballpark that is actually closer to our campus and a much more complete facility for baseball program. And uh, we entered into that short-term arrangement. Uh, more recently, we've entered into a longer term arrangement for that facility and that really gave us the flexibility to say okay we don't need that baseball field property what could be the best use of it and our determination is really that we want to stay focused on uh, our downtown campus uh, you know there was the possibility I guess long term of developing some kind of a satellite campus but it didn't really fit with who we are and, and how we operate so uh, putting it on the market uh, was the sensible step for us uh, and then as you said this sort of serendipitous opportunity uh, came about because we were doing it around the same time that those conversations were underway yeah. and you're yeah. very proud of what uh, has come about here right oh very much so I mean uh, because we want to be uh, not just part of the solution I think uh, you know, from some of the conversations recently could this be a model uh, nationally to say okay look at how you can bring different kinds of players to the mm -hmm. table to find a solution that you know, is not going to be addressed simply by one sector or one yeah. participant. Do you mm -hmm. think a lot of uh, colleges and so on are maybe sitting on property that maybe has been left to them uh, you know in a will or they have acquired and for a purpose that then didn't uh, prove out and it may be in a similar situation uh, there may be some uh, I know most uh, institutions that uh, get those kind of properties tend to dispose of them relatively quickly if they don't have a designated use yeah. uh, right at the start mr. near let's talk about uh, the development and uh, we understand it will be mostly apartments uh, for rent but there likely will also be a town homes that could be sold so so how important uh, are both of those components you know, one of the key components of the conversation was making sure that this was a multi-income multi-housing type development and meaning that we would bring apartments into the conversation and that's with our part with AU associates and Winterwood delivering uh, low um, 80% and below uh, apartments 
senior housing, affordable senior housing, and then Habitat and uh, Urban League of Lexington and other housing providers can bring uh, the single family home ownership in forms of townhomes and potentially single family detached homes on those parcels. Important to you that it is multi-generational, multi-racial, uh, that it uh, is open for all. Yeah, I mean, and, and when you think about the range of incomes that are going to be served, that 30 to 80 percent of area median income, which let's say roughly 66,000 is your AMI, you're talking about families who are making approximately $50,000 being able to have access uh, to home ownership opportunities and, and incomes below and that kind of income diversity is really important for uh, an affordable housing development to be really able to thrive. You know, you talk about uh, this being a nationwide issue, and uh, this will help, but the needs are ongoing, as you say, nationally, certainly we know in Lexington and across Kentucky. As you advocate for uh, affordable housing uh, space, what needs to be done to uh, streamline land use, uh, planning, uh, to make sure that, uh, the, that there are places where affordable homes can be built, and then keep in mind and here's the history in Lexington. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes when you expand the areas where it's available to be developed, it doesn't go as planned. And it is not affordable housing, or it goes retail or something else. Oh, so uh, there are a variety of solutions that have to be on the table, and we're seeing that LFUCG is bringing some of these ideas forward in th through planning, and it'll be before council here shortly, that provides a density bonuses for affordable housing, meaning you can provide more housing on a, a, a set piece of land which we hope we'll be able to take advantage of. Um, streamlining the development process that can lower costs, um, but also looking at the, the funding mechanisms that are made available. For example, at the federal level, low-income housing tax credits are a key vehicle for apartment developers like AU Associates and Winterwood to be able to bring affordable rentals into the marketplace. There's no such subsidy at, uh, to be able to support home ownership opportunity. Um, there is a piece of legislation that is being uh, sponsored in the House and the Senate, the Neighborhood Homes Investment Act, which would provide those types of tax credits for affordable home ownership. And seeing that legislation move forward is really important because it brings the private sector uh, in to be able to help support that development through the tax credit model. And, and we would be very, very excited to see that how, move forward. How much of a long-term uh, strategy is it going to take to, to, to get out of this uh, situation where there is uh, not affordable housing out there for, for many? There, it is a long-term strategy. Um, but there has to be that broader conversation about where do we want to go and prioritize for affordable housing. Because when we talk about that income where we're looking at, at 30 to 80 percent of AMI, there are a number of professions that are, that are captured in that income block that if you cannot find homes in your community, where are you going to go? You're going to go into surrounding counties, increase commute times, and see those pressures that other municipalities are already facing across the country um, happen here in Lexington. I think we're seeing that already, um, but that being able to address that issue and acknowledge that we want to keep people who live and work in Fayette County here and provide those opportunities so they can be close to work, close to family. Do you look forward to sharing uh, this experience uh, with others and at the same time are you keeping an eye on some things that may be going on with uh, affordable housing in other parts of the country that may be an idea that you would like to see here? Well, you know, there, there are so many, um, being part of the Habitat for Humanity International Network, we see ideas that are happening across the nation, and certainly we do keep an eye on that. We also look at legislation that's moving forward. Um, and, and one of the key parts that I want to just emphasize, that 
for anything to happen, it starts with these types of partnerships with the banks that were at the table, Central Bank, Republic Bank, Community Trust, Traditional Bank, and Stockyards, right? So all of them there, as well as Building Industry Association at the table. I note that you're naming a community and, and, and locally controlled banks. Sure. Yeah. There's a certain flexibility and, yeah. and uh, agility that they have to be able to participate. There are a number of other banks that were sitting at the table who will step in to this fund eventually. But you know, you, when you talk about boards and you talk about regional and national banks, they have a level of, of process that they have to go through that smaller local regional banks don't. And so that was p that's part of why you see that coalition of, of banks being able to come together here. Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Commerce Lexington and being a convener in this process. They, they've been central um, as well as Lexington for everyone. President Lewis, how important is it uh, for you that Transylvania University uh, set an example for your students and others who are watching your every move as a big player <laughs> in the community uh, and may be uh, motivated by a, a bold stroke like this that uh, can make a difference in an area that maybe folks hadn't thought about uh, a college or university being involved in. Uh, that, that's a great way of putting it because we're really proud of how our students already seek to engage uh, in community service and to, to learn about community issues and how they can address them. Uh, and to see it being done by the institution where they're studying uh, is, I hope, a, a great model for that and we'll encourage them to do it because that's one of the great advantages of being uh, fairly uniquely located for an institution of our type. There are literally only a handful of national institutions that look like Transylvania that are located right in the heart of a vibrant city. And we're able to take full advantage of that for things like internships and experiential opportunities, but it's terrific to be able to show them what an institution can do with and on behalf of a community. You know, as you uh, track your students, you, you know, when students leave Transy with a degree and that lifelong attachment to the institution, obviously you're watching where do they get jobs, what kind of money do they make, what is their success rate, and that's what they uh, will help you market to your university. But is it your hope uh, that they will become also servant leaders in the places where they go uh, and, and bring their, uh, their Transylvania education? Very much so. We, we look to prepare our students for a lifetime of success, and that means in a lot of different ways. It means being leaders in their professions. It also means being leaders in their communities and finding ways to, to serve the communities that they choose to locate in, and the more of them that we can encourage to stay right here in Lexington and keep those remarkable talents going uh, to the benefit of this community, all the better. All right. We'll take a break. A couple more questions for both of you before we go. We'll be back on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers and a little bit later a report on the state budget proposal by the Republicans that control the state House and Senate. We're back on Kentucky Newsmakers from WKYT in a moment. We welcome you back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers and continue our discussion today with Transylvania University President Brian Lewis and Daryl Neer, who's the CEO of Lexington Habitat for Humanity. We've talked about affordable housing, uh, its many facets, and about uh, what is happening with a project in which uh, Transylvania is involved by selling a piece of land that uh, uh, is uh, highly coveted mm -hmm. and was very needed uh, for uh, this project. But there's something called the revolving fund mm -hmm 
that will mean that more of this uh, type of effort can continue. Sure. Tell me about that. So the banks have put up $3 million for this fund to be able to purchase land to deliver affordable housing into our community. Um, what will happen over time as we go through our planning process and our site planning to see what is possible, um, we carry that interest-free. The banks will, are making that available. But when it comes time to do the development, the partners who are part of that development will be buying it back buying that land and that money goes back into the fund and it's made available to other affordable housing developments to purchase properties to allow this fund to be ongoing and what's really great is this coalition that has started this fund there's the capacity to increase those who are going to be donating into the fund to make even more money available to purchase land that will deliver affordable housing into our community. You know, are you open for proposals? If, if there's somebody out there uh, sitting on a piece of land or has an idea of a, a project? <laughs> we will always take those phone calls. Um, that, is th that is our biggest challenge. And, you know, you look back several years ago, we were doing uh, development over in Brookfield Chase. We were picking up properties at fifteen dollars to $17,000 a lot. Um, right now, we're paying between fifty dollars and $60,000 a lot to deliver affordable housing, single-family home ownership into the marketplace. Um, so we are always on the lookout for land and, and those opportunities as they come up, we look at them one by one, but certainly uh, we will take those phone calls. Uh, you know, uh, let me zero in just a little bit more sure. on, on uh, whatever pressure you hope to bring to bear on, and I know you want cooperation, mm -hmm. shouldn't use pressure maybe, but that's <laughs> in reality it's what it is for the, uh, for the local government to, to realize that uh, there are ways in which the land use planning goes that sure. uh, can really impact this. You know, when you're talking about an affordable housing uh, possibilities on this 12 and a half acres that Transylvania University is, is sold to us as a group, um, that is a tremendous pressure for others to get involved. And I wouldn't say pressure necessarily, but uh, it, it, an encouragement because these types of projects don't come along often at this type of scale. And that's the real challenge when it's, we're talking about affordable housing. You can build an apartment complex, you can build several houses, but when you're talking about the number of units that can go onto this 12 and a half acres, this is going to encourage a variety of different entities to be involved from the you know, state, potentially federal, and of course local government. And it is urban infill. It is. Uh, which is what uh, uh, is stated as a desire of uh, this administration uh, to, to do. Uh, as we uh, look at uh, what's going on at the university right now and, and some of the uh, uh, changes ahead in the next semester, prospective students need to fill out this uh, federal financial application. It is known as FAFSA uh, for short, for good reason. Uh, being a liberal arts school, though, it may be surprising to some that, uh, that Transylvania students uh, do uh, receive a lot of financial aid. Uh, and uh, I mean, most do, right? Uh, yeah, I'd, I would venture to say probably 99.5% of our yeah. students are receiving aid, and it typically comes in a variety of packages. Uh, you do have the federal. Uh, financial aid. You do have state aid through uh, scholarship funds that are provided uh, through the legislature. And you've got what the university provides due to the generosity of our alumni and friends who have provided scholarships. And people are often surprised when they actually sit down and talk to our admission staff and our financial aid staff that uh, you know that sticker price quickly becomes a much more affordable, accessible point of entry for these students and families because there is so much support out there. And uh, another thing that I think families need to keep in mind is that our graduation rate 
uh, in four years is much higher than a lot of other places. And so four years at Transylvania will often cost you less than five or six somewhere else. Uh, but yes, taking advantage of really talking to uh, the experts who can help guide you, who can help identify uh, those sometimes very unique to an individual or you know, given their area of interest or where they're from, uh, that, that can be uh, a really, really exciting conversation to have and say, look, you can come to Transylvania and here's the kind of support we can provide you. So for those students who are having those conversations now with their parents and their teachers and their guidance counselors and others, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you would have them look at, uh, at all of their options and certainly to, to consider uh, Transylvania. Yes, I, I think far too many people just assume that you look at a sticker price and that's the end of the story. And it's really just the beginning of the conversation. And the reason for that is because we've got so much generous support from so many uh, individuals and entities who want to provide the Transylvania experience for students from all backgrounds and all parts of the Commonwealth and beyond. And so they really need to have those conversations. Come see if what you are looking to learn and, and develop in yourself is what's available at Transylvania, and we can probably make it work. All right. Gentlemen, I appreciate you coming in. A nice hybrid program today on uh, uh, some important topics, and we, we appreciate that very Thank much. You. Thank Stay you. with us now on Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll be back in a moment. We'll hear about the Republican proposal for the state budget in Frankfurt. There's a lot of money to spend there, and uh, controversy about how to do it, of course, and we're back in a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. We certainly don't want to lose uh, track of the fact that it is a very busy time in the legislative session that is underway right now. The House Judiciary Committee last week passed House Bill 5, which is also known as the Safer Kentucky Act. The vote came after two hours of testimony from those for and against it. The bill looks to strengthen Kentucky crime laws, including people convicted of the murder of first responders facing life in prison or the death penalty. It would also also create a third strike penalty for repeat violent offenders. The widow of Scott County Deputy Sheriff Caleb Conley testified for the bill. We are the ones who suffer the consequences of these crimes and I believe if this bill is passed it will make a difference. If people know that if they murder a first responder they will go to prison for the rest of their lives or they will receive a sentence of death maybe then they will stop killing our first responders. The bill would also criminalize homelessness to the extent that people cannot sleep in public places. It is receiving pushback from those who help that community. Representative Lindsey Burke says another solution needs to be found. I know that in Lexington, the reason a lot of people are unhoused and sleeping out as opposed to sleeping in one of our wonderful shelters is we don't have a couple's shelter. So if a husband and wife are evicted and they have nowhere to go, there's not a shelter where they can stay together. They can send the wife to the women's shelter and the husband to the men's shelter, but then what do they do with their dog or their cat? We're solving a problem that exists, and I, I don't dispute that there's a, a housing crisis and there are people on the streets who don't need to be, but I don't think that putting them in jail is the solution. I think we need to find better solutions. The bill passed the committee 13 voting yes, 5 no. Representative Kim, Kim Mosier passed on the vote. It now goes to the full House. It is expected to be taken up next week. 
And we could be getting close to the first votes on a new two-year spending plan in the Kentucky House. Legislative leaders unveiled their new budget this week. Republicans, of course, control that chamber. They say it spends record money in K-12 through schools, but some say it also falls short given the large budget reserve trust fund that Kentucky has. WKYT's Phil Pendleton has more. Much like what was done two years ago, House leaders say they want local districts to decide the amount of their teacher raises. This is a way to let locals make decisions regarding their own local circumstances. We've got to raise teacher pay. Governor Bashir had proposed an across-the-board 11% raise for educators, and he pushed funding for preschool. The House budget does not fund universal pre-K. It does not give 11% uh, pay increases to our school employees. It does not fully fund transportation. Mercer County gave their employees a nearly 10% raise two years ago. Superintendent Jason Boer says he appreciates the increases but says the per pupil allocation of 4300 the first year and 4400 the second needs a bigger boost. The inflation from 2008-2009 up till now um, it should be around 53 to 5400 so they're still a thousand dollars short per pupil. When you take into account all of the funding that goes in the K-12, we're like way ahead of inflation. The budget also allocates for 100 more social workers, a thousand more Michelle P. waivers for the disabled to live more independently, and provides stipends for student teachers. That's basically set up as a thousand dollars a month and that's not going to equate to a certain living wage but it's better than the zero that's mandated right now. So. We can go in and cherry pick some great things but there's also a lot of bombs in there as well. The house budget also sets up a student loan forgiveness program for teachers who stay and work in Kentucky in Frankfurt Phil Pendleton WKYT. So we expect some interesting debates in the week ahead. We invite you to be with us on WKYT on air and online for the latest. Van Ingram from the Kentucky Office of Drug Control Policy is scheduled as one of our guests on the next edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. That's it for us today. We thank you so much for joining us, and we certainly hope you make it a good week ahead.